The Writer's Room, a 7th Sea podcast, is endorsed by Chaosium, Inc. For more information, visit www.chaosiuminc forward slash 7th Sea. Hello, friends. Hurry on and get on in here. Now. Greg has got your tea orders. All of the officers are gathered and ready and waiting. We are going to be picking up immediately where we left off in the gala with the ATC and the Inquisition flooding in. And I will not delay any longer. We're going to get right into it. Get comfy, get cozy. Article 3. Tango del Fuego. The camera is up in the chandelier again, looking down at a bird's eye view of the ball. For the most part, all we can see is the tops of wigs and the overbillowing of hoop skirts and all sorts of colors just dancing around the floor. As the camera kind of lowers down, we can see that at least four of the musicians are heavily Castilian that we recognize. One of them adjusts their very fake mustache. Down below the grand staircase, we see these side doors open up and we see a bunch of armed ATC soldiers walk in and they waltz right up to where the Inquisition is. Now, the Inquisition is very easy to spot because they make it that way. They have either a big giant conquistador's cap with a a feather on it or a half cloak attached to their jackets. And they are all a deep red color with this strange symbol on it. The symbol is take the letter D lay it on its flat, and then put a point down at the bottom of it. And that is the cross of the Vatican. We can't hear what they're saying, but all of a sudden, some hand signals go out, and then some ATC soldiers fan out into the crowd, and then some Inquisitors fan out into the crowd. The four musicians over there, who are keeping a very watchful eye, realize that some fuckery is afoot, and all of you hear the music tempo change. Now this has been established to all of you, that if the music tempo changes to this specific song, it means that danger is approaching. And as the music and tempo begin to crescendo and speed up, the camera goes back to the balcony where a fight has just broken out. Diego, show us what you're doing. Diego will step forward and slides off his left hand glove into his right hand, catches the right-handed fist with his left. How dare you interrupt the party of William Sonoma Esquire III? Gives him the slap with the glove. And you, and he is not within range, so he just throws the glove at poor fellow on the ground. There will be no insulting of women either. That is something I cannot stand. King shape. The cigar gentleman picks up the leather glove and steadily gets back to his feet. Then in that case, I name you my champion. You can duel him. Go. Sorry, I didn't say anything about his sister. Nothing bad, at least. I'm very fond of his sister. Anyway, go ahead. Here, hands you your glove back. I am only going to duel if I have to. The other man, who is still kind of shaking off the stars in his eyes from getting smacked across the face, recovers himself and draws very ornate, gorgeous-looking rapier that definitely belongs on a mantelpiece and not on a hip, and points it at you. 
I will defend my sister's honor with my life. On guard. That's making the situation worse, my friend. There's no need for such things. Ah, fine. Stupid. He hands his sword off to one of his cronies, starts, like, rifling through his pockets. Aha! Here! Is this what you want? It's the duelist pin that denotes that he's a duelist. And he hands it to his crony and takes his sword back. There! I challenge you officially. Diego smiles as he unties the red cloth around his neck. And as it falls to the ground, he rips open his shirt and vest. As tattooed on Diego's chest is the red triskelion, his dueling challenge. He is taken aback by the uh, sudden revealing of flesh and then realizes, oh, you have the dueling pin tattooed on your butt. Perhaps this was a mistake. I will see you outside, for I am Diego Alfonso Morales Iglesias, El Nitido. And as he says El Nitido, he's going to spend a hero point so that his signature item can become available in the next scene as flying through the air from the direction of the orchestra. (laughs) Diego catches his gauntlet in his left hand, slides off his leather glove on his right to slide on his gauntlet. Would you like to spend any raises here? I mean, once things start, I'm going to have to spend a raise to switch to brawling. Now we are in a dramatic sequence, so you can spend a raise and tell me that this guy doesn't know his ass from his elbow. Case in point... You can spend a single raise and show me how you handily defeat this person. Diego puts his left hand behind his back, gestures with his right hand outwards in the gauntlet, and beckons towards him. The young lad finds his courage, straightens up, begins to advance and thrust forward. Diego's right hand has grabbed the tip of the blade slides up and grabs the hilt, twisting it free from the man's grasp. And as he does, he stabs it down towards the man, and for a second everyone gasps, only to reveal that Diego has sheathed the man's weapon. And then, with a metal flick of a gauntleted finger, The man's nose begins to bleed, and Diego turns and walks away. This whole time, I don't think Dala's moved, and I don't think she stopped smoking the cigar. She's just been watching all of this. (laughs) Okay. Unfazed. Love it. So do you want to spend any more raises here? I don't think Dala has anything else to do with this guy. So I think she'll just make sure Diego's all good, make sure he's got his gloves. She also pocketed his fancy case earlier, and so she kind of wants to get out before he notices. Wish Cigar Jr. a good night. He wishes you a good night and hopes that you are well and good and apologizes again for the distraction. Dala, as your attention is being drawn back to the party proper, you realize that the ATC and the Inquisition are here and they are fanning out among the crowd. Have any of them approached any of my fellow crew members? One of the Inquisitors is making eye contact with every 
waiter and waitress that they pass by, stopping them briefly, looking them in the face, and then moving on. One of them actually does stop Amboise, look at him, and then wave him on. They're trying to find someone. I don't like this. Dala, you are an expert on carpentry and such things, and I spend a lot of time on a ship, so I should know more. I'm interested if you could show me about carriages and what makes them work and what makes them stop. I think our new friends have uh, loads of carriages we could investigate. I think we can arrange something. And I would like to spend raises to have the ATC and Inquisition carriages suffer damage that would prevent them from following anyone. Okay, how many raises you got? Three. Three? Or do you want to spend all three right now? I will spend two raises on carriage destruction. Okay. And I gave myself a hero point for defending a noble ideal with my blade. Yes, absolutely. I think Dala goes up to, like, the main axle on the front of the carriage and just tries to give it a good kick and just crunch it in. And so the whole carriage just dips forward and, like, will not move. One quick motion onto the next one. You don't even punch them. You just grab the wheel spokes and rip them out. Ah, yes, I knew it was the wheels. (laughs) (laughs) Would you consider us sabotaging the carriages as Dala solving a problem for the crew? It is my quirk as quartermaster to earn a hero point. <laughs> Yo, yes. Absolutely. Sweet. Would this count as interrupting the ATC's going ons? And as a company escapee, it's sort of my prerogative. Yes, it would. God fucking damn it, you guys. <laughs> Robbing me. We're blind. just really good at reading our character sheets. I have two raises. I'll spend one to do that if it means that we can take out every single carriage we see in the area that is ATC or Inquisition. Yep, absolutely. And especially after Diego, like, he's all proud of the first one that he takes down. He watches Dalad start working. I have learned something new today. Proud of you. And if there's time, I'd love for them to just kind of wander back into the party. Like, nothing happened. You just went out for an evening stroll. What a great way to finish off a cigar. What a great way. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's what it is. We finished the cigar from earlier. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As the camera is passing by, watching all of these Inquisitors and ATC folk scanning the crowd, we go into the center of the ballroom where we find Angelica and Giovanni. Giovanni stands in the normal stance of a waltz, hand up, by eye level, another hand at waist level, and begins to do the waltz. Now, he is not paying attention at all to you, Angelica. His eyes are focused past you. As he spins and turns, he doesn't turn his head to make it look like he's absolutely not paying attention to you and his mind is somewhere else. His eyes are constantly scanning the ballroom. As he is staring past you, he speaks to you directly. Do you see that? Well, it is quite hard to miss a bunch of party crashers. They are here looking for one Alvara Alcinega. Do I know who that is? Mallory won't shut up about Alvara Alcinega. Okay. What do you know about them? They are the leading minds in Thea in regards to astronomy. And if the Inquisition gets their hands on her, 
that beautiful mind will be lost. So is this the favor you wanted to ask me about? If Alvara managed to make it onto your ship and was perhaps carried far away from Castile, I would be grateful. You think so highly of me you think I have a ship, uncle? As he sweeps you in a twirl, his eyes lock onto yours, and in that stare is all of the menace of the Villanova name. I am not one of your crew members. Do not speak to me in such a manner. Am I allowed to cash in this favor ahead of time? The eye contact breaks. And what, pray tell, does that entail? I need to speak with Tia Valentina. His eyes make contact with yours again, and this time an eyebrow is raised. You know that does not bode well for you. I'm not expecting it to go well, but I need answers. Lucky for you, she's in the mood to talk. And he twirls you out, and then brings you back in, his eyes constantly scanning the ballroom. Should I expect any help from you in ferrying out this precious cargo of yours? Or can you not make a show of supporting your family? Again. Are you spending a raise here to get support from your uncle? No, I think I better hang on to my raises. The Villanovas do not need support. And as he says that, he dips you. Mm -hmm. And then lifts you back (laughs) up. They stand on their own. The song ends, and he brings you back to the table. She waits for an acknowledgement from her aunt that it's okay to sit and join her for a conversation. The woman seated at the table is dressed head to toe in black with a thick veil in front of her face. There is the faintest little nod of her head as though she is indicating for you to sit. That's enough. Take a seat. As Angelica pulls the chair out and sits down, the camera is on a nearby table focused on this interaction. And then it unfocuses and refocuses on a table not far away where Oliver and Charlotte have been conversing. And as we zoom in, we can hear what they are saying. So then, the man himself, George Rourke of the ATC, comes up to me and he says, You're one of the sharpest minds we've ever had in the company, my dear, but because of your incident, we can't bring you overseas, so you need to stay home. You are too smart and he cannot have you tampering whatever it is he's doing of course not you think i had a bad incident you should see the incidents he has you tell them listen i think you're the greatest person that i have ever met now mr barcroft you are going to make a lady blush with those kinds of comments (sighs) Too bad I'm not a lady. (laughs) You want to know something? What? What is it? I care about you. No, you don't. I do. Well, I adore you, Barcroft. I want you to tell me every single issue that you have. All right, but not here. Come with me. And they grab you and they lift the tablecloth and they bring you underneath the table. All right, I have juicy secrets for you. But they cannot leave from under this table, all right? Okay. All right. So, spend a raise and I'll tell you whatever secret you want to know. (gasps) Oh, God, what secret do I want to know? Do we have suggestions? Shall we head into the writer's room? Yeah. All right, everybody under the table, let's go! 
Wow, it's so cozy under here. I've got my tea. I've got my steed bonnet depression robe. Yes, <laughs> perfect. So we need ideas for what the juicy secret is. And now, Oliver, you have four raises, so you could potentially have four juicy secrets. Ooh. Okay. You might need some of those raises later. I know. I was going to say I'll probably use, like, max two. Okay. So, what juicy secrets does Charlotte of the ATC know? Mm, we need dirt. Something embarrassing. Something the ATC doesn't want to get out. Oh. Yeah, if you're going to do two, maybe one, like, strategic, like, informational one and one, like, blackmail one. We do have a very strange piece of ATC cargo currently aboard our ship. Yes, you do. I was going to say, if we could figure out what they're getting into that would mean exploring ancient ruins or relics or that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, so something embarrassing. And then what the fuck are they planning with these ancient ruins? You got to start with the embarrassing one to like warm them yeah. up. Yeah, of course. Grease the wheel a little bit. <laughs> Gotta really get in there and, and dig into it. Okay, okay. I will spend another raise. I'll do that. For context, George Rourke is the head of the ATC. The CEO and his business partner, Fleming Rudd, is the chief operations officer, COO. Those are key names you're going to need to know going into these secrets. So Charlotte brings you in. It sits very close to you and goes... All right, now listen. Okay. You know our beloved leader, Mr. Rudd, yes? Yes, of course. Pious man, very righteous. Of the cloth and the collar, the whole thing. Yes. He had an affair. <gasps> You're joking. I tell you, what I say is true. Do you know who it was? All I know is K.R. Because he could not stop talking about it in his diary. Oh, you found his diary. It was just sitting there on the table. See, this is what happens when you're in charge of the papers. But don't tell anybody that. Shh. Your secret is safe with me. They put up their pinky. Promise? I promise. Pinky promise. Perfect. Now this is a bit of seriousness. <gasps> okay. We hired the Explore Society to unearth something. What was it? Something dangerous. Something, if used correctly, could unmake the sea. Unmake the sea? Or unbind the sea that swallows. I don't know. Do you know what it was? Completely frank, I'm not quite sure if I, if I feel comfortable knowing about that. I had to tell you, I'm sorry, if it's too much. No, 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 no. Wow, see, working with the papers, you learn a lot of fun things. Once again, I pinky swear. Oh no, darling. Pinkies don't swear. And they hold up their middle finger. <laughs> and they lock middle fingers with you. So, I have a bit of a strange question. Would you like to dance? <gasps> yes. Yes, I would. Let's go and we will like uncover ourselves from underneath <laughs> the table. <laughs> <laughs> Waltz right out onto the dance floor. They do a ridiculous over-the-top bow to you. A ridiculous over-the-top bow back to them. Grab your hands and start waltzing with big giant steps with you. We are not very good. <laughs> no, no, you're not. 
but you're having a blast. I need it to be like from both of their perspectives. It's this amazing, beautiful, (laughs) graceful dance. And from the outside, the two of them are just falling all over each other. (laughs) Just stumbling all over the dance floor, stepping on each other's feet. Laughing hysterically. It's like rose-colored tinted like lenses with the the, you know the little sunspots and everything, and it's so beautiful with like roses. Absolutely magical for both of them. (laughs) And then Dala's standing in the corner, like, oh, are they okay? Who's that director that did um, Star Trek and and Lost? The guy with all the lens flare. JJ Abrams. Oh my god. This episode brought to you by JJ yeah. Abrams. <laughs> but only from Oliver and Charlotte's perspective. Right. <laughs> you guys waltz on the dance floor. Now, as they're doing that, Amboise, you were by the table when they snuck under there conspiratorially. What are you doing currently right now? Well, he was supposed to go and find some documents. He's going to probably start working towards that endeavor. Although, seeing all the various Inquisition stuff going on, it's getting a little bit uh, dicey, to say the least. Mm -hmm. They have already kind of passed you over. You're not the man or the person that they're looking for. You can spend a raise and say that you find the stateroom. That sounds like a wonderful idea. Let's do that. Perfect. You're meandering, you're grabbing glasses, and you head to the stateroom. Now, it's kind of like a study and a little bit like a library. There is a large table where business is held and there are some books laid out on that table. Meaningless covers, some maps, and then there is an actual desk behind that table, which could very well house what you're looking for. Spend some raises and you can find whatever you wish. I only have two left. Do I really want to use both of them? Mm. Let's at least spend one of them. Okay. And Boaz makes his way to the desk, begins rifling through some of the papers, finds at one point what looks to be someone's recipes. Doesn't really think much of it, goes past it. Looks a bit deeper, realizes that there's another piece of paper that has some dates on it, like a calendar almost. And then as he's looking at that, he realizes that there's a third piece of paper, or at least what looks like a single piece of paper. It turns out to be a sizable foldout with a bunch of little bits missing from it, and it just happens to fold out onto the piece of paper that had the recipes, and he realizes that certain bits of it are covered. It's a cipher. (laughs) Yes, it is. You nab all three of those pieces of paper because you know all three of them are needed to solve this cipher. As you do so, you're rifling through these papers, going through and whatever. You notice a... A pay stub of sorts? The little end ticket of a check. And it's to the Explorer Society for quote unquote TSS. Storyteller Squad. Hmm. Doesn't really think too much of it. Does take a moment to realize that he hasn't really paid proper attention to what he's been grabbing. Takes a brief moment, closes his eyes, and tries to sense any other people's marks on the items that he's taking. You don't sense any marks on the items that you're taking, but there is a mark in this room. Ooh. Oh, shit. Welp. I'm trying to remember if the ability to erase marks is a special thing. It's said that you can easily find a mark and then remove them by just, like, brushing it off or something. It's either a raise or a hero point. 
in order to set a mark, you have to put your intention and your will into it. He's going to grab those papers and then try to head over to where that mark is. Okay. The mark is inside the desk. You can't pinpoint accurately tell where the mark is coming from. So you're opening drawers, you're seeing some knickknacks, a huge file cabinet full of papers, and then uh, you open the left-hand top drawer, and you see a locket tucked away in the back there on a little pillowcase. He looks at it for a moment, thinks, people wouldn't put stuff on papers, they put it on nice things. Takes out the locket for a moment, gives it a look over, then just puts it back. Do you remove the mark? Doesn't remove the mark. Okay. Do you open the locket? Yes, if possible. It is a very beautiful carving of a woman. Younger. There's really no color in the carving. It's really difficult to tell. And inside the inscription is, To my love forever. You see a smile come across his face as he, even more gently than before, puts it back, slowly closes the drawer, and makes his way out of the room with the papers. I'm spending a danger point. You hear the latch of a door, and in front of you, where you were about to leave, enters a very well-to-do gentleman, dressed in the yellows and blues of Montaigne. And he is holding the door latch behind his back, and looks you up and down. I believe you are in the wrong room, monsieur. I disagree, monsieur, but I will make my way out. I apologize. Can I ask... What it is that you are doing in here? Along with the regular situations of having to do usual servant work as we do here. It is important with such esteemed guests in such a high profile situation to make sure that security is proper. Now, as you can see, I assume you saw earlier, silly people having fights, a whole bunch of Inquisition members walking around, clearly hunting for someone. We need to make sure that everything is proper and secure. Might I arrange for you to accompany me? I do require some assistance. He gestures for you to go further into the stateroom. Uh, of course, monsieur. We're following this noble monsieur and Amboise down a hallway, and then they take a turn and go somewhere else. But the camera is still following this hallway. And as we're going by, there are some inquisitors coming out of a side alley walking down the hallway with us and then turning into another door. And we stop in front of one of the other doors at the very end of the hall where there is a window. And we can see inside that window two shapes dart past. And now we're inside the library. Mallory, Alvara has you by the wrist, running as fast as her small little legs can take her as she is heading up to the upper levels of the library. Because this library is... It's at least six or seven flights. There's a clinking of glass coming from Mallory as they run. They have one hand tightly gripping Alvara's hand, and the other sort of reaches up to touch the brooch over their heart. And they don't say anything, but they keep running. And run up the stairs, you do. Alvara seems to be only fueled by the adrenaline passing through her as she climbs higher and higher up the stairs. Mallory, how are you, how are you doing? Mallory's panting. <laughs> <laughs> God, so many layers. Angelica, jeez, it's a little ruffles. There's like 15 pounds of pearls on there too. Oh. <laughs> I thought her dress had all the pearls. I was wrong. 
Now, as you're going up there, you notice that the shelving and the books are kind of not kept very well. They're old, they're dusty, leaning on their bindings, not really sitting up properly. Some of the shelves are dilapidated and broken, and you're noticing a very thick coating of dust on some of these shelves that really nobody has been up here in a very long time. And as you get to the top of the observatory, which is just a big dome of glass, one of the glass panels is missing. And underneath a a large covering is this shaft-like shape sticking out. And she conspiratorially looks down and then leans over the stairs and, and grabs the edge of the cloak and rips it off is a very large telescope. She looks up at it and then looks inside and and turns a couple of dials and then spins a big crank and the telescope moves on on an axis pivot point. Look, come see. And like grabs you and like shoves you in front of the telescope. You hear down below, doors open. (sighs) Senora Alvara, we know you're in here. Alva, I... I don't think we have time. No, 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 you must, you must, please, please. No, no, Alva. And Mallory's, like, stepping away from the telescope. There were Inquisition officers in the ballroom. There's always the Inquisition. Please, look. If I look, will you promise to escape with me as soon as I'm done? See, of course I will. Put your eye right here and look straight down. I'll distract them. And you hear her voice call down an insult in Castilian. The subtitles, you'll never catch me alive, Redcoats. I'm going to the stars. <laughs> oh, no. And you hear their angry voices call back up from way, way down below. You know you've got some time. They have to climb the stairs. There's only one way to go, though. Miss Asiniega, how do you expect to get us out of this? There's a secret passage. Don't worry. You look in the telescope and I will open the passage, okay? All right. All right. And Mallory looks into the telescope. Mallory, you see... What can only be described as, like, the Milky Way. This is... this is breathtaking. In your head, you hear... Dr. McCoy, you make an excellent standing target. Uh, I don't know how else to convince her. And frankly, I... frankly, I wanted to see. I wanted you to see. There's no time, Mallory. At that moment, Alvara grabs your wrist and yanks you away from the telescope as a crossbow bolt is fired and shatters the lens you were just looking through. Quickly, this way! Yeah, Mallory's running. She brings you over to a bookshelf that is kind of juxtaposed and shoved up against the wall and she's tiny. She's like 5'4". She's trying real hard to push this bookshelf. Puts her back up against it and like tries to push... And it's just not budging. Dr. McCoy, it's this one. This is the bookcase, but I can't move it. Mallory attempts to help. You spend a raise here? Yes, I will spend a raise. Okay. How are you helping? Mallory's little twig arms are uh, not exactly any more (laughs) useful than Miss Alciniega's. Sure. So uh, they're going to touch the brooch and say, I'm sorry to drag you out like this, but we could use a hand or two. And you hear in your head, <sighs> I need a hand from you. Toss me in the air. All right. They throw it into the air. The camera is the brooch as it twirls through the air, but instead of the brooch, what lands on the floor in front of us is a pair of black dress shoes. As the camera pans upwards, we see gray, well tailored silk pants. 
The tips of a tailcoat flare out as a pair of gloved hands flicks them aside, and then two strong arms slam up against the bookcase above Elvara and Mallory. With Coco's help, it easily slides across the floor. And as it is being pushed, another crossbow bolt is fired and it lands directly next to Alva's face. Ah, All right, come on, let's go! And she grabs you and pulls you inside. Mallory gives the hand against the bookshelf a lingering touch as they escape into the tunnel. I'll come back for you, okay? By your will, Mallory. Now go! Alvara and Mallory disappear down the stairwell, but the camera is still focused on this new man standing guard at the entrance. And while his back is facing us, we can see small gouts of blue smoke billowing around his head as though rising from his face. As we hear the Inquisitors coming closer, he begins to roll up his sleeves and takes a stance. Ugh, who needs a dueling champion when you've got Coco? You head down the spiral staircase, and though the observatory itself has been in disuse, this secret passage is caked in dust, and when you enter, it kicks up in the air as you run past decrepit, decayed books. This maybe isn't a raise, but Mallory has direction sense. Is it possible they could deduce from, like, the architecture of this place where in the observatory the staircase will come out? Absolutely. Direction sense makes it so that you can't get lost. So, as you're running through the stairwell and it breaks out into a labyrinth of close-knit hallways that stewards might have used, you remember the direction in which the ballroom is. All right. Would spending a raise guarantee that the other side is empty when we get out? Yes. All right, then I'm going to do it. You guys are now in the back area of the library. You hear some scuffling noises upstairs. Then you hear the telltale sound of cloth rushing and... As someone falls from the top of the observatory and lands in a heap on a pile of books. Hmm, good work. All right, how many raises do you have now? I have two left. I had four. Yeah, one for Coco, one for the empty library. Yeah, fuck it. I was spending a danger point. Go for it. The exit route you are about to take is not filled with Inquisitors. It is instead filled with ATC soldiers who are also fanning out into this area. Miss Arseniega, are the ATC looking for you as well? I may or may not have swindled them out of a significant amount of money. (laughs) Alvara, I adore you. You and I should talk some time, but right now we do need to make sure that you do not get caught. Yes, that is prudent. What do we do now? We are going to cause a distraction. Mallory does a quick perusal of the shelves and tries to locate maybe uh, the most poorly written autobiography available. Grabs it off the shelf and tears out a page or two. They look to Alvara. Do you have any water on you? Something to make this a little bit smokier? Of course, here. She hands you her water skin. Mallory folds the pieces of paper up into little origami-esque shapes and takes the water from Alvara and slightly douses a corner of each one. They pull out their little sailor's lighter and after a couple of flicks and a bit of impatience, light the edges of these dampened paper structures on fire. What they've just created are a handful of miniature smoke bombs made of steaming, smoking paper and they roll these down the path to try and clear out anybody coming by. Oh boy, I love it. Okay, there is now a consequence on the seed called Smokescreen. The ATC or anybody is going to have to spend extra time navigating the Smokescreen 
as you deftly maneuver around the obstacles and bring Alvara out of the library, yes? Yes. All right, head back to the party. Where are you going? We're going to find a back exit. The main entrance is way too hot of a location right now. You run into Saya. She has something in her satchel that is very heavy, and she is hightailing it down one of the corridors. And as she almost runs into you, she actually grabs you, sweeps you into a headlock, and has an arrow at your throat. Saya, it's just me. It's Mallory. Mallory. Hi. Sorry, I... You there! Stop! Nearest exit? This way. (laughs) And the three of them. That's my wife! (laughs) As the three of you are running. (laughs) Who is your friend? I'm Alvara. Nice to meet you. Alvara, we really should be running faster. I'm so sorry. My legs are very small. Right then, here we go. And Saya grabs her, picks her up, and starts running with her. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) (laughs) If it would benefit me, Mallory might ditch the skirt of the uh, of the thing they're wearing. Oh, there's this tearing sound of cloth. I throw it in some ATC officer's face. <laughs> 15 yes! pounds of pearls just lands in his face and he like falls over in front of it's his fine. friends. It's only a bespoke garment. It's fine. it's fine. And the camera is following you three as you're running down the hallway as fast as you can. We follow you for a little while and then veer off back to the main part of the gala. Hello there, friends. I'm going to take a quick breather, empty what you got to empty, refill what you got to refill, take a couple of deep breaths, and we'll get right back to the story. But first, of course, I have my mid-reel announcements to make. First of all, I'd like to thank our sponsors, starting with 10 Quills Dice. If you're tired of picking out all of your D10 dice in order to play D10 games from your D&D sets of seven, head on over to 10 Quills Dice where you can find handcrafted, one-of-a-kind resin dice made by me. So, if you want me to help you narrate the game in your life, head on over to Ten Quills Dice. Our second sponsor is The Crafty Gamer. They have all sorts of wonderful accoutrement, but especially the aromas of adventure, their line of hand-poured soy-based candles. I personally cannot get enough of their candles. I use Small Library all the time. And you might remember that during the springtime, we had a small release of Writer's Room exclusive candles. We might do that again. Who knows? But in the meantime, you can head over to The Crafty Gamer and use the code, all caps, Writer's Room, for 10% off your order. That's all for the sponsors. Now I've got some shoutouts to do. First and foremost, there is artwork for The Fate of the Thorn. And if you haven't seen it, Head on over to our Discord and check out the gallery where our lovely artist, Emery Chelsberg, is going to be posting every time a new illustration drops. So, if you're not part of our Discord, why aren't you? Go do it right now. Come hang out with us. Come learn about 7C. Come see beautiful art. And if you desire some of those prints for yourself, you can head on over to his gallery. And the link to that is provided in the description below. I'd also like to shout out all of the officers from our lovely Kofi crew. Raven, V, Nightingale, Covington, Stuart, Tarkin, and Cheshire. Thank you so very much for your support and helping Greg and I keep the writer's room in ship shape. Pardon the pun. Speaking of ships, let's head back into the gala and see which ones arise. 
Now we go back into the party and the camera kind of swirls around as everybody's dancing and going about their business. And we head back to the table that Angelica is sitting at with her Tia, the Fate Witch. Lady Valentina, I need to ask you something I would only ask you. There is the faintest little nod, but nothing else. Have you ever encountered anyone who lacked threads? Another slight nod, but this time you hear her speak. What have you come across without fate threads, my dear? We found a girl. She can't remember anything about herself. No one's fate threads would go near her. And she has silver hands. She tilts her chin up. Silver hands, you say? Where did you find this girl? In the heart of a storm, aboard an ATC carrier ship. There's an audible, disgusted, tisking noise from under the veil. Tell me, what have you done with this girl? So far, I think I have hurt her feelings. The veil in front of her nose moves slightly, as though she has huffed a breath out of it. I do not know where she belongs. I am not sure what to do about her. What would you do with her? There is a silence, but in that silence, Angelica, you feel her gaze intensify, and you know that she's reading you. That doctor of yours, not the large one. You should ask them what they know. And don't let her silver hands touch anyone else. What happened to the thing you saw? With no threads. Though the veil obscures her face almost entirely, you see a flash of pearls as she gives you a wicked grin. My sisters and I unraveled it, and we will do so again if this threadless girl becomes a problem. If you become a problem. Is that clear, Angelica? I have no intention of getting in the way of the family. You all made it quite clear that it was fine if I disappeared. That is my plan. Do not forget that even though you disappear, you remain here. I know. You are the one that taught me how hard it is to untangle threads. It is good to know that you remember my lessons. The intense stare stops, and I am glad that you are doing well. I'm doing all right. I got married. I have my own ship. But monster hunting ships are always struggling to find coin. Perhaps you should go to the Atabayid, then. I hear those waters are rife with monsters. Her head tilts downward, as though she is staring you directly in the eyes, behind the veil. And devils. Thank you for the advice, Lady Valentina. Before Angelica can get in a final barb and stand up to leave, I'd like to spend a raise, Zoe. All right, what have you got? Their conversation is interrupted by the person who announces guests. Angelica doesn't catch who the Lord being announced is, 
she does hear a name that makes her immediately whip around and just break eye contact with her aunt, something she would normally never do. Oh, wow, this is super serious. Who is it? Lord, some, 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 some didn't pay attention. And the Lady Liliana. <gasps> Fuck, Natalie. Oh, my God, we're doing this. Uh, <laughs> Natalie, take a hero point. Durs, what is Diego's wife's full name? Liliana Maria Iglesias. Angelica whips her head around, and she sees her sister-in-law walking down the steps in a fantastic evening gown on the arm of some noble. Oh my god, I know who the noble is. So, the doorman slams his staff, the door is open, and he looks, and he looks back to the crowd, and then he does a double take, almost drops his staff, recovers it. (coughs) Lords and ladies of Rioja, our good King Sandoval, and the Lady Liliana Maria Iglesias. What? <laughs> yes! Hold on, excuse me for one moment. I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> Was that a, a danger point? Absolutely. Diego, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know this would happen if I said the thing. But I... <laughs> No, it's it, it so good. But fuck. I see your Liliana raise and I raise you. <laughs> the motherfucking king. Hey, dude. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Listen, Diego, you're a great guy and all. It's been really fun working with you all this time. Really fun. You are about to get straight up executed. And Liliana walks down the steps with the 12-year-old child king. He's 12? I forgot he was a fucking child. What the fuck are the Castilian nobles thinking? (laughs) What are they doing? I swear I won't hit a kid. I swear I won't hit a kid. (laughs) Everybody gets one. Everybody gets (laughs) one. Give them the iron reply, primo. (laughs) That's a baby. But my king, that's my king. No harm comes to children. No harm comes to children. (laughs) (laughs) And behind him is a whole fucking entourage. Fuck. There are guards. There are cardinals. There are vicars. There are other noble people. Nannies, because he's 12. There is a whole ass... Gala in and of itself coming into this gala. And he waves to everybody. Continue the party. Oh, baby. Oh, he's probably just delightful. Oh, he's probably lovely. He's probably just the cutest fucking thing in the world. Let's adopt him, too. <laughs> Get in the ship, kid. Can we kidnap the king? <laughs> You're joining our found family. Get him and Tia to meet. New story step. Kidnap the child king. I've got the child. It's a three-step story. Kidnap the king. Flee for our lives. Die. (laughs) (laughs) Goal, the friends we made along the way. (laughs) Angelica, without turning back to her aunt, I have to go, and stands up and walks away. Now, the child king looks very excited to be here, and Liliana looks a little reserved. She is being very prim and proper and standing, you know, perfectly as she should and holding the king's hand as they come down the grand staircase and he points over to a table of hors d'oeuvres and leads her over and peeks his little head up above the table and points at a couple of cupcakes. 
you watch Liliana lean down and whisper to the child king, and he groans, folds his arms over his chest, and then finally he takes a plate of, like, normal food and goes to eat it, and instantly people are flocking to go talk to the king. They want to make themselves known. These well-to-do ATC officers, Castilian men of science, even the Inquisitors are like, okay, fuck, the king's here. Shit. And they kind of skirt off to the edges of the party. Hey, Durs. So this is an audio podcast. Durs has not moved from the head-in-hands position for the past several minutes. Uh, Well done. You see the love of your life with the young king of Castile. So Diego is grabbing on to like the banister rail because I imagine he was like on the second floor. They went back to their position of keeping an eye on things and he is grabbing on to the balcony rail fiercely with his left hand. He doesn't have a sheath for the glove. Once the glove came out, he figured the crap was going to hit the fan. So he didn't have a way to really stow or hide the gauntlet so that's just in his right hand then he's standing there completely still staring at Liliana unable to move because of the nature of everything but needing to move but realizing that can't Dala you watch all of the color drain out of Diego's face you hear actually the stress of the wood as he grips the railing so tightly that if it was the gauntlet, it would have punctured all the way through by now. Diego and Dala are still standing together as a couple, and so Diego's trying to, like, hide his gauntlet hand behind her. Mmm, I like that. Just so if they're standing there, it's, like, not as obvious to someone just walking by. She's just gonna look back and forth between the two of them, like, oh, and then kind of pat him on the back awkwardly. (laughs) Oh, no. I do not know what to do. I I don't know what to do. Maybe I could cause a distraction or something? Get her away from the kid? How? She's with the king. So? I can't separate the two of them. Dala's not Castilian. She doesn't give a shit about this king. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a kid. Uh, Diego's in headlights. Dala will not make a move until she gets the, like, okay from Diego. She's just spitballing ideas. She's not going to, like, go do anything yet. Oliver yeah. is raising <laughs> yeah, their hand. Oliver, what do we drunk got? best friend. What do we got, drunk best friend? I don't realize it's the king. <laughs> what are you gonna do? I'm gonna go talk to this little kid and tell him how cute he is. Yes, yes, go. Do oh, it. Yeah. Oh my god. You spin, Charlotte. Uh, and again, it's from your point of view. So we see this beautiful elegance of Charlotte in their debonair pose. Yes, Oliver, you're amazing. And you're like, yes, I find you very attractive in this moment with like the rose tinted lenses and like the fucking flowers and everything. And and then we smash cut to reality. You spin them into a waiter. (laughs) You fling them into a waiter. They fall on their ass (laughs) laughing. There's champagne spilled all over them. And you stumble backwards and fall flat on your ass by the table and are looking upside down at this young child. Beautifully tanned Castilian skin, short brown curly hair, 
There is a crown on his head. It looks like it weighs way too much for that child to be carrying. It's glittering with rubies and gold filigree and all sorts of fucking nonsense. He's wearing those poofy pants, the slits in them, so it looks like an accordion kind of deal. And then the matching top with the poofy shoulders. And he's got these tall, tall socks on and these cute little boots, these little booties on with the little buckle. He looks down at you as you're looking up at him. It seems you've fallen on the ground. Are you all right? Oh my gosh. Oh, you're just the cutest little guy. Oh, well, gracias, senor. Are, are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. Listen, do you want to play pirates? Yes. Yes. Rip yes. my heart out. <laughs> he has the plate in his hand and he almost drops it. His eyes go wide and he looks at Liliana. Senora Iglesias, may I accompany this gentleman? He looks like he needs help. I would like to help him. I need assistance from this tiny boy. And Liliana looks down and tisks him softly and says, Now my king, you know that that is not proper of you. I know, but... Oh, proper schmopper! It's a party! And the king kind of shrugs and... If anybody wants to spend a raise right now... I'm spending a raise. Yes! <laughs> My friend at court is now the fucking king. <laughs> <laughs> no! Oh, Charlotte was a lie! Charlotte was a lie! Charlotte was a lie! It was a ruse! They just used Charlotte to get to the king! You could say you fell into Charlotte's web. Oh, no! Oh! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Take a fucking hero point a day. (laughs) I am spending a raise to change the music. Okay. Fuck yes. My last raise. Because at first, Diego's just stuck there. And then there's sort of the, the split as the king wants to go off to the side. And the four Iglesias brothers... Tell the rest of the orchestra to like cut out real quick. The guitar starts to go as they immediately begin to go into a fast paced flamenco song, which I mean builds yes. up to it. Yes. And yes. Diego doesn't take the stairs. He hands the gauntlet to Dalla and climbs down from over the edge of the balcony onto the ground. Holy shit. Liliana knows this song. They both know this song so well. Liliana slowly turns her head and sees you. The whole ball stops moving and we see this lightning attraction happen between the two of you. And she leans down to the king and says, yes, why don't you help that gentleman? I also need to attend something very urgent. Of course, come with me, senor. You guys are going to go play pirates. Liliana makes her way to the center of the dance floor, her hands behind her back. The crowd recedes, and as the castanets rattle, announcing the end of the dancer's approach, Liliana's hand flies out to her side and she drops the fabric, revealing that the ball gown was a flamenco dress the entire time. You walk in a circle, eyes locked, and as the song quickens, she steps into you and you flawlessly catch her. Her body pressed to yours as you slide her nearly off her feet 
the dress moving like the ocean as the wind catches it. And while she is this close to you, she whispers. I thought you were dead, Miamor. You too. You lean her forward, giving her time to stand, and the next moves are a series of spins. You hold her hand above her head and parade her around the dance floor. The dress sweeps out, crashing onto the floor and against partygoers like a living wave. The energy you both create simply stuns the entourage. They are holding their breath, having never seen fire and water dance so beautifully and fiercely together. The final spin leaves her to fall backwards, and she is fearless in her descent because you sweep her into your arms, leaning down so close that your face is inches from hers, and it looks as though she is going to kiss you, but she instead whispers, What happened to you that night? We tried to get you back. The last part of the song is the most intense because you have to separate. You spin her around in a circle, bringing her back up to her feet slowly and passionately. Oh, are you still alive? She lifts her hand to gingerly stroke the back of it against your cheek. We cannot talk now. The state room. Of course. And you both are held motionless there for a moment before you part ways for the final time. Holy shit. That happened. That's fucking rad as shit. I'm never going to spend a raise with more payoff than that. Yeah. <laughs> God. So we're going to pan back into the stateroom. We walk into a small little office and we head deeper into the back part of the observatory. This gentleman, Amboise, leads you in and closes the door behind him. Every once in a while, you hear the faint sound of swords jingling on belts and armor plating as people are still running down the hallways looking for Alvara. Is there a tattoo or call sign or some kind of secret thing that the black carriages have amongst each other? Oh, fuck. Yeah, there is, but it's very difficult to tell. Mm -hmm. On each of the fingers of their hands, there's just a little black dot. Okay. Almost like a, a beauty mark kind of deal. More like a pinprick. Oh. Is it on a different finger for different levels of member, or is it the same all throughout? It is the first location that they are told to draw blood from for when they are learning things. Ah, very nice. So he reaches out his hand to shake yours, and you see the dot at the base of his middle finger, where the finger actually meets the palm. Monsieur Toussaint, I'm fairly certain that we are in a more secure location. We can drop the charade. Oui. It is good to see you again, Monsieur Pendragon. You are looking well. I wasn't sure that I had seen you across the crowd, but I assume you had wanted to meet. None. That was not on you. That was on the newcomers deciding to crash the party. And because of their presence, I will make this brief. We are once again in need of your services. The way is threatened. The way is always threatened. This is why we are around. Oh, I am well aware. But this is an outside threat. Emphasis on outside. You know, that does not sound good. By any means. The rest of the information regarding this threat is in here. And from the inside of his jacket, he produces a rolled-up scroll tied together with a black ribbon. You are a talented and capable individual. I do not need to hold your hand on this. We? Oui? 
Of course. Bon. Now, I must attend my duties as you yours. Until next time, oui? Be sure to grab a drink on your way out. It is a party after all. With the Villanovas around? I brought my own. And he takes a flask out, takes a swig. Au revoir. A tout à And your Chariot Noir contact, Verutusant, leaves the room. You know what? If we have time, let's open that small piece of parchment. You unroll it. And, of course, it is in a cipher, but it is a cipher that is well known to you. It only takes you about maybe 30 to 45 seconds to quickly maneuver all of the little lines and dots that are there so that it makes a cohesive message. Do not allow the silver hands to touch the red door. Uh, oh, fuck. Well, we have fucked around and now it seems we shall find out. <laughs> he proceeds to then... Eat the paper. <laughs> it's a little tart this time around. They used a little bit too much lemon juice. It's okay. He has an iron stomach. It's gone within moments. Oh my god, this is the most brilliant use of a character trait ever. <laughs> yes! So good. That's so clever. You will consume this letter at the end of your orders. Guess who's playing the spy now? <laughs> yeah, holy yes. shit. No kidding. Yeah, Amboise Pendragon. That's so good. International man of mystery. So good. <laughs> I needed this. A day, if Zoe doesn't give you a hero point, I'm giving you mine. <laughs> right? You keep yours. I'm. I already got one. You're getting another. another one. You know what? I'm going to make this as how in the world did this all happen at once as possible? Okay. We see him looking around the room, just realizing, okay, this is fine. This is not the problem. We've dealt with it before. And as he's doing that, he hears a sound of something dragging against wood while he is currently with his back to a bookcase. Okay. And as gravity is required to say, a book falls on his head as we pan up and see our cat friend, up there, looking down at him. Aww. As a book falls. And we see the little of dust as it hits the floor. This black tortoise cat with orange eyes. They do that cool cat thing where, like, you look up really quick and the light reflects off of their eyes and it's just two glowing orange orbs. Ow. Ah, oh, that's cute. I do not have my library card. But you know what? I will check out this book. Thank you for the recommendation. And it darts off. Oh, that's adorable. The book is titled The Heel of Achille. And it details, not in a fairy tale way or a story way, it is a living documentation of each member who has ever held the sword before, how long they held the sword for, what they used it for, and where it fell. And who picked it up after that? It is a history of the Sword of Achilles' owners. Puts it in the pocket. It's uh, mine now, right here. Right where it's close. Begins making his way to the door, where he is stopped. Is it possible that Amboise might find Mallory's missing brooch somewhere along here? I'm gonna spend another danger point. It'll be fine. And Boaz, as you step outside, you hear uh, the jingle of belts and things and watch 
from behind the door as a bunch of shadows pass by and they stop at the end of the hallway and they're speaking in, in hushed Castilian to each other. When you lean outside, you realize that uh, one of them is gesturing to something in their hands and they are holding the brooch and it is pulsing with a very faint blue light. Amplause, please. Important question. Mm-hmm. Important answer. Do dramatic sequences have the same rules and restrictions as action sequences? No. Based on that, Mallory. Amboise. What is the chance that you would have confided in Amboise that you had a very important brooch that you needed to make sure that you did not lose track of? Ooh. I'd say that perhaps as they were walking off the ship out the door, you would definitely have noticed that Mallory has this fancy new piece of jewelry that you've not seen them wearing before that they adjust every so often and they did go to you at some point and ask if they had affixed it correctly and there is clear signs that this is a very important item to them in some way now zoe stop me if this is too much bs give it to me i would like to say that amboise at that point had put a minor mark on the brooch Mallory might have just straight up asked him to do it, just in case. Ooh. Mallory said, you can have the other half of my alcohol rations if you do this for me. Worth it. It wouldn't even be out of character for Mallory to be like, hey, I have this very particular thing that I'm very particular about. Could you make sure it doesn't get misplaced? That seems like something that's happened in the past plenty of times. It's never been with jewelry, but you know. I think it's definitely been with Coco. Yes. I think Coco has a minor mark on him. The coconut has a mark just because. It looks like lipstick. Oh my god, I love it so fucking much. Yes! Bet. It's not bullshit. I'm yes-anding the fuck out of that. I can spend a raise if you need me to. I still got two kicking around. Spend a raise, it is done. Yeah, let's do it. Because in an action sequence, you would need to use a raise to do poor day stuff. But dramatic sequence? Eh. Nope, you can spend a hero point. Oh, Okay, done. As they're turning the corner and going to put it in a pocket, do we see some shenanigans? We see Amboise walking down the hallway. There's a little bit of blood dripping on the ground behind him. You see him just casually swipe his hand down at one point, stick it through. For some reason, the lump that was in that pocket is no longer a lump there. Fucking love that. You now have the little brooch that Mallory was wearing. Going to pin it to the inside of his shirt. It's, uh, it's beating. Just a faint little thud, 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 thud. Did Mallory have me keep track of a portable time device for blowing up things again? <laughs> Please no. Please no, not this. Why would they do this to me? No, this is fine. You're heading down the hallway, walking down, and you hear the hurried footsteps, and then Saya turns a corner, sliding as she does so. Mallory turns a corner, stumbling a little bit and like slamming their hands up against the wall to stop themselves. And Saya is carrying the small, mousy Castilian woman. We have to go, right now! You didn't put Amboise in a headlock. I can't put Amboise in a headlock! <laughs> I tried once! <laughs> <laughs> and then Amboise, you hear the telltale sound of boots rushing towards where you're standing. Nope, 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 nope. I don't see. You guys head down the corridors. After playing Pirates with the King. Which was hilarious and fun. I love him. He's the best. He's been laughing so hard that he's cried a little bit. Oh, oh, I love this little boy. Oliver Edmund, it has been an absolute pleasure playing Pirates with you. Thank you very much. Oh, of course. 
Anytime you would like to play pirates again, I'll just be a letter away. You mean I could have somebody write to you? Of course. We're buddies now, you and I. I will be here anytime. Well, Oliver, the first order of business as king is that you may call me Amadeo. That is my first name. Amadeo. Unfortunately, I do need my crown back. You are wearing his crown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, of course. Here you go. He takes it, kind of hefts it a little bit and puts it on his head and makes it look like it never left his head. You can win it back from me next time. (laughs) Of course. Instead of the drumsticks we were playing with earlier, I will bring some real high quality wooden pirate swords. Lady Liliana does not let me play with wooden swords. I would love to play with wooden swords. It's our little secret. And he holds up his pinky to you. Of course. Pinky promise. And then you guys head off. The moment he becomes in view of anyone who notices him, it's like, oh, King Sandoval, we've been looking everywhere for you. My goodness, my king, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. They, like, throw themselves at their feet. Yep. And as he's walking away, it'll be like a little inner monologue for Oliver. He just needs someone to treat him normally. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Who knew friend at court would turn into the fucking king of fucking Castile? Now my friend at court... The king. (laughs) This game. I told you guys I'd be a worthwhile member of this crew. Fucking incredible. This game is about dads. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love it. Shit. That's delightful. Okay. I would like to spend my raise to have Dala notice a good portion of her crew leaving in a hurry and then the group of men chasing them. I want Dala to go assist with that. Oh yeah, could you spy like Saya and Amboise and everyone fleeing on an upper balcony or something? She sees them go by, she starts heading and then she sees the group of everyone chasing them. And I would like her to get up behind this group of men and then try to get their attention and call out like very dramatically in a helpless lady voice. I need your help. There's there's a medical emergency. And then once they turn around, I want Dala to punch them all in the face. Dala! Can I spend a hero point for Dala to have put on the gauntlet that Diego handed her? <gasps> oh, so she has extra fuck. raises to do that? <laughs> fuck! Yes, yes, yes! Pick up a motherfucker and hit another motherfucker with it! <laughs> Stop, it's so oh good. My God. Yes, and oh, fuck yes. Thank you for this oh gift. Oh my God. I do have some hero points left. I am happy to share with anyone. Oh my fuck. I have God. been brewing this of like, I'm going to have Dala take down these people. <laughs> yes, like a fucking bowling ball smashing down the pins in a strike. They go Flying and careening and falling over the railing and... Wilhelm's scream is one of the falls over the balcony. (laughs) (gasps) And you take one dude and yeet him (laughs) into the chandelier. Yes. Uh, Then she's going to do the little, like, dusting her hands together and then take off running after. Could I arrive as Dala has, like, cleared the squad? Yes, absolutely. 
She'll give you a little nod, like, Captain. I've collected Kieran. I saw Saya running. Kieran, <laughs> Kieran is fanning himself. He's got the bustles all like curled up in one arm. <laughs> wig is sideways. <laughs> yep. His makeup falling off his face. Darling, darling, where where are we going in such a hurry? Oh, oh, these heels. These heels are murder on me. I hand off Kieran to Dala. Yep. Oh, hello, Dala. Miss Bronson, please make sure everyone returns to the ship and get us ready to go under sail. Captain. And she will gently take Kieran and hurry him out of there. Do you just fucking princess carry him? <laughs> just kind of under the elbows. He thinks he's running and she's just... <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love the idea of Kieran in full ball gown just piggyback riding on Dala. <laughs> oh, that's also very cute. Oh my god. She's done this before. Ah, oh, you in those heels... But Tala, they make my ass look amazing. Mm-hmm. Slings him over her back. Just speed walks out. I love it. I love it. So as they run off, Angelica turns and scans the rest of the ballroom for anyone of her crew who hasn't made it out yet. And I think I see Diego. Diego would not let Liliana leave his sight. So she might have said, hey, meet me in the stateroom. But he's not leaving the room. With the king missing... She does have a moment to dart away and she catches your eye across the ballroom and like motions towards the door and starts walking in that direction. I intercept Diego before he can make it all the way there. Get out of the way. Diego, we have to go now. I am going. I'm sorry, Diego. We have to get to the ship. We have to get out of this port immediately. I will be right there. I will grab- You cannot abduct the king's escort. Do you want to bring the entire Castilian Navy down on our heads? Gather your brothers and head to the docks. Now. She waits. Diego doesn't have time to wait. He's going to continue walking to the stateroom. Primo! <gasps> Fuck! Fuck! Oh no! Yep, oh. Nope, this is fine. Angelica curses under her breath. Dame paciencia, coño. Tírame en la mar. And she turns and immediately heads for the other brothers, who I assume are still in the band. They are getting ready to leave. They saw everything that was going on. They're talking very quickly amongst themselves of, like, leaning into each other. Cazadores! Vamanos! Grab whatever weapons they had. Uh, Any instruments that they brought with them, they immediately pick them up and follow you. El Tigre walks up next to you. Where is Diego? He's not coming. What do you mean he's not coming? I gave him an order. He chose to disobey it. If he wants to get back on the ship, he can swim. They stop. Can I just leave him behind? Is my entire Marine Corps going to disobey me tonight? Our time to dance in this hornet's nest is over. Get to the ship or get left behind. She's right, Tulio. We can't rescue anyone if we end up in prison again. <sighs> See, Vamanos. And the brothers follow after you. Because NPCs don't have agency. And uh, we head into the stateroom. You enter in. You don't see Liliana standing in front of you because she tackles you into the door, lavishly kissing you and hugging you every once in a while, pulling away. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. We don't have a lot of time. And then she comes back in for more kisses and more hugs. Same. I can't get caught up. I missed you so much. Come with me. I cannot. They will notice that I'm missing. I will do anything. Come with me now. I can't. We will smuggle you out. No, our son. Our son is in the castle. Ah, no. Oh, fuck. Oh, lo siento, mi amor. 
I cannot leave him. How do we do this? What do I do? I don't know. I don't know anymore. Listen, you need to get out of here, okay? Well, you're easy to find now. You are we so are easy to so find hard. now. I need a plan. I need to figure out. It's Angelica de la Sombra's crew. The Thorn. We have a port of sorcerers. It'll be okay. You have a porte? That's perfect. She starts kissing you again. We also have a porte. What is his name? It's Amboise. Amboise. Amboise Pendragon. She takes out a small little notebook and like writes it down with a little pencil that she has behind her ear and puts it away. And all of a sudden we hear, uh, Where's Lady Liliana? Where did she go? I must go. Amboise, I'm so sorry. The faster I leave, the faster I will return. Okay, I love you. Lady Liliana, where are you? And she like kisses you really deeply and passionately and like leans you all the way over to the whole thing and then lets you go. Do not lose hope, me more. We don't have to lose hope. Not anymore. No! My plan backfired! Diego, you fucking Uno reversed me, you Holy shit. I was supposed to make all of you cry, not me! Thank you, Oh my god. See the summon. You didn't realize what you were getting into. (laughs) Now you know. Oh, Durs. Fucking masterclass over here. I am digging (laughs) this telenovela, though. (laughs) (laughs) And the door closes. Liliana heads back into the party, leaving Diego in the stateroom by himself. Yearning, but determined. We cut to the party escaping. So listen, Saya is a very strong woman, obviously. Angelica would not have married her if she wasn't. But you can only, you know, carry a weight like that for so long before it starts to slow you down. So Mallory sees this. Mallory's doing the calculations like, all right, we're losing this amount of speed. They're going to catch up to us in this amount of time. She needs to run. You need to run. I'll make sure of it. Mallory? Mallory takes Alva's hands and gives them a big kiss on the back of their hands and says, You are the greatest mind in Thea, and I will not let you get caught by the Inquisition. That is my promise to you. What are you doing? Go, 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 run, 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 run. Saya is running, but she waits three, four, five seconds and then can't wait anymore, and damn it. Bolts turns the corner. In order to escape, You are going to have to spend a raise. You can also give raises to people who do not have raises to escape. All right, I'm spending a raise so Alvara can escape, and I'd like to activate my virtue. Ooh, okay. And what is Mallory's virtue for the listeners at home? Mallory's virtue is astute from the devil tarot card. Activate your virtue after a villain spends raises for an action. That action fails. I'm not sure if these are capital V villains, but I'd like to have whatever plan they were going to do fail. The Inquisition Brute Squad does count as a villain in this instance, because I say it does. And I want you to show me how they fail, because they were absolutely going to capture you. Mallory takes out a matchbook. And if you'll permit me to perhaps spend a hero point to make this small piece of Mallory's inventions a reality. Permission granted is one of their trick matchbooks. And this one is a cobalt shade of blue. And as the Inquisition is coming around the corner, belts jingling on hips and their heart is pounding very quickly, they take one of the matches from the book, they try to light it and it flickers for a second but doesn't go quite there. And they're, like, they're getting closer. Fuck. 
they give it another and it doesn't quite light and they do one more and it lights, but it's not the match that lights, it's the matchbook itself. They toss it on the ground in front of them. It is a firecracker and it explodes on the ground in front of them. All the little matches inside of it eject out and each of them explode at different points and the whole hallway is engulfed in this crackling blue smoke. (gasps) And as the lights flicker through the smoke, they project up against Mallory, casting a shadow taller than they are. And the little coils of hair that Saya so elegantly placed on their head forms this blue devil shadow (gasps) against the wall. The Inquisitors recoil and stop and stare at the devil silhouette, and a few of them grab crosses and clutch them around their neck and say in hushed tones, El Diablo Azul. A few of the brave ones grab at their swords and draw them, but between the smoke and coughing and sputtering, they cannot see, nor can they accurately tell where you are. Mallory simply walks right through them. And if any of them catch a glimpse of the Doctor as they walk through the fog and the crackling lights, they catch a spark of blue glimmering from beneath the bangs as they pass. Yes! Zoe. Yes? Could I spend my rays? Sure. What do you got? I would like Angelica to intercept Mallory. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, you hear the telltale crackle of some explosion. Angelica and the brothers Iglesias start walking down the hallway and probably run into you. Is everybody out? Uh, Saya and Alva are... Well, you'll meet Alva in a second. Never fail to disappoint me, Doctor. How is it that you know our missions before I am given them? Well, it's the same reason every time you ask. And they give this familiar manic grin. I know everything. Good. Because there are certain things I would like to ask you back in my quarters. Let's go. Well, what about Diego? He'll catch up. Mallory, the brothers don't look very happy. I can go get him. I'll be very quick. There isn't time, Doctor. You don't have to do this for Diego. Yeah, but I do have to do it for Coco. I only have the one raise, though. Does anyone need some raises? I have two hero points. I have a hero point as well. I have three hero points I'm willing to throw anyway. Oh, Jesus Christ. I haven't been using them. Dala. Let me spend them. Yeah. If you guys want to trade hero points for raises, you can absolutely do that. I am all out of raises. I will spend my hero point to let Diego escape, but he doesn't do it with the group. He'll show up at a certain point later. Okay. Does Angelica have an out? Yeah, I guess if like intercepting the doctor doesn't count as part of her escape, then I would need an extra to get away. I'll spend a hero point to give you a raise to get you out safely following behind Dala. I will give a hero point to Mallory. Do you think the devil incarnate needs a raise to escape? Angelica and the doctor leaving the party with this happening right before is very tasty. Hey, if you need a raise, I'll give it to you. Mallory still thinks they need to go back for Coco. And they need to go back to get Alvara's stuff. So, let's put ourselves in harm's way in pursuit of knowledge. Take a fucking hero point. It'll only be a moment, Captain. Doctor, this is not the fucking time to discover an appreciation for heroics. I need to do this. I'm setting sail as soon as I reach the Thorn, Mallory. I cannot afford to wait for anyone. All right, I'll be quick. And they go back. Soy la Capitan de Macriados. You head back to the observatory. You're unaccosted by any uh, ATC or Inquisition as you head up the stairs, going towards the telescope. 
It's actually very easy to take the lenses out. They are meant to be taken out and, and housed in, in a little, uh, I would call it a crate, but it's more fancy than that. It's got velvet and padding and it holds these lenses pretty much perfectly in like this little like socket area. And there are uh, six lenses. The seventh one is unfortunately broken. Next to the telescope is Alvara's journal, which has the blueprints for a smaller telescope, a hand telescope. Almost like a spyglass. Don't mind if I do. Pocket that. You fold that, put that away. You've got the lenses under your arm. Do you take the main stairs down or you do you take the servant stairs down? Servant stairs served us well. I'll take those again. You go towards the servant stairs and you notice as you are walking down them, there is a trail of silver blood. And I don't see the brooch anywhere. You do not see the brooch anywhere. When you get down to the bottom, there is a silver handprint. Mallory reaches out and touches it gingerly. Oh, you poor thing. I'm so sorry, Morningstar. Coco? There is no response. Coco, this is no time for games. Show me where you are. And Mallory tries to open Coco's eyes. You ever opened your eyes uh, when you're intoxicated and the whole world is spinning? Times that by ten. Because it's Coco. Shit. Mallory immediately, like, collapses against the wall and just has the wherewithal to hold onto the lens case. We actually hear that tinnitus ring, and there are shapes heading into the observatory and walking up to you. And they are tall, and they have guns, and they stop in front of you. And you hear a voice. What have you got there? Um, just books and things. Miss Alcinega, you're going to have to come with us. And scene. Ooh! <laughs> I hate this. Well, well, well. If it isn't the consequences of your actions. <gasps> Ooh, I love that. I do love that. Oh my, oh my god. god. Wow, 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 wee wow. Oh, Jesus Christ. Alright. This is what happens to mutineers. <laughs> Angelica, I'm so sorry. Are you though? No, it was good. It's the right choice. I was going to be an obedient crew member, but my own story demanded otherwise. <laughs> I'm going to spend a raise to make your wife show up. See how you like it. <laughs> my wife's already here kicking ass. She comes back in like, oh good, you're back. Cuts over to Saya, like fucking booking it like, ah! Does anybody else have any other wives that need to show up on screen? <laughs> or husbands? Or husbands, or spouses, partners. So the next time we do this, you're going to need to give me the script ahead of time so I have time to prepare for these big emotional moments. Sorry. This table read not going how you expected. There's this flipping through the script like, wait, I don't see that in my copy. (laughs) Where is this? (laughs) It's redacted for spoilers. You all know how we dislike spoiler Jonah being here. That being said, we'll just have to continue next time, friends. Until then... Be safe and well.